0: If you would this morning take your bibles and turn to john chapter ten <coughs> i promise you i won't keep you till twelve forty five or anything but i want to hit a couple of passages john ten john twelve john twenty one But I want you to see, just for a few moments this morning, this key word that is throughout many of the passages. They're also in the harmony of the Gospels. They're seen in other places several times. But in John chapter 10, see, first of all, a relationship, a picture between the shepherd and the sheep. And I want you to get the concept here. God's Word says that we are His sheep, right? Sheep of His pasture. So let's look at this just for a moment. Says I assure you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the door but climbs in some of the way is a thief and a robber. I've explained to you before that in Old Testament times a biblical pasture as we as we know it was basically a stone wall at a certain height, but there was not a door, but there was a doorway <coughs> and in that doorway it was open because that's where the shepherd would sit once the sheep were inside the fold, once they are inside the pasture. And so in that doorway, the shepherd would sit down and lean against the edge of the wall. And he would be there. And he, so the Scripture is saying here, if anybody comes over the wall rather than through the doorway, same as a thief and a robber. And that's why you could say in John chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto of the Father but by me. He had come, had to come through the doorway that Christ had made. So verse 2, the one who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. The doorkeeper opens it for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. I want you to see the personal effects here. The shepherd calls his sheep. And the sheep do what? What the shepherd tells them to do. Verse 4, when he has brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they recognize his voice. And they will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't recognize the voice of strangers. Once again, Jesus Christ says he is the shepherd. God's Word tells us we are his sheep. And as a sheep, we should only recognize the voice of God. It says they run away from voices they don't recognize. And can we just say, there are a lot of voices calling for us in the world that we live in. There are a lot of directions, you know, a, lot of, a lot of areas that would love to have a piece of our time, a piece of our affection, a piece of our, our treasure, a piece of who we are and what makes us who we are. And, and the bottom line is, who are we listening to? Who is it that we are listening to? Because every one of us are listening to somebody or something. But as the sheep, it says they run away from the voice of strangers. They don't recognize that voice. And Jesus gave them this illustration, but they did not understand what He was telling them. So Jesus said again, I assure you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and they may have it in abundance. He says, I am the way. I am the door. If you want to have a relationship with Christ, you have to go through the door that he has opened to us. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And the hired man says he's not the shepherd. He doesn't own the sheep. He leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. And the wolf then snatches and scatters them. And this happens because he's a hired man and doesn't care about the sheep. The bottom line is this, that there's a relationship with the shepherd. And as our relationship with him, we listen to him. He takes care of us. He protects us. He says, he's the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. As the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. But I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them in also. And they will, find, they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock, one shepherd. This is why the Father loves me, because I am laying down my life, so I may take it up again. He so says, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down. I have the right to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. When you think about this, Jesus Christ was giving them a clear picture of what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You've heard me say it a thousand times. You're going to hear me say it a thousand more. A relationship, if it is good, is based off what? Good communication. You say, well, Pastor, I've got a relationship with Jesus Christ. If that is true... And only God knows your heart. But if it is true and you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that means you have a good communication with Jesus Christ. Because this is how Jesus Christ communicates with us, and this is how we communicate with Him. And communication is two-way, right? So if there's a lot of communication, we can have a strong relationship. If there's very little communication, we have very little relationship. So based on the communication, how's the relationship? And when Jesus Christ speaks to us, are we willing to do what He says? Or are we off listening to the voice of strangers? The voice of people who don't care for us? The voice of people who have not given their life for us? He says the sheep run away from those kind of voices. And I wonder when it comes to this area of surrender in our lives, if we're surrendering to too many things, and too many directions, and too many people, when well, we should be surrendering to One. How's our relationship? Says they do what the shepherd tells them. Am I truly a follower of Christ? It really does come down to that. He goes on here, verse 22. Then the festival of dedication took place in Jerusalem, and it was winter. Jesus was walking in the temple complex in Solomon's colonnade. Then the Jews surrounded Him and asked, How long are You going to keep us in suspense? If You are the Messiah, tell us plainly. And Jesus responds, I did tell you, and you don't believe. Jesus answered them, The works that I do in My Father's name testify about Me, but you don't believe because you are not My sheep. That's a very pointed Comment, A very pointed accusation. He says, you don't believe because you're not my sheep. We're going to tie into this in just a few moments. But he says, if you're my sheep, you listen. And you do what I say. But you're not my sheep. That's why you don't get it. And it really ought to cause us to look internally in our walk with God to see whether or not we are listening, whether or not we are obeying, whether or not we are doing what He has told us to do. But He goes on verse 26. But you don't believe because you are not My sheep. My sheep hear My voice. I know them, and they follow Me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, ever. No one will snatch them out of My hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. There's a key verse here. Verse 27. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they, what's the next word? Follow. If we are going to surrender our lives to Christ, we must follow. It really is that simple. I realize that there is pressure coming on every side. And everybody wants a piece. And everybody wants you to get involved with this and involved with that. And then I have my interests over here and my hobbies over there. And there's everything around us vying for our attention. And all kinds of things available to distract us. But the bottom line says, that if they're my sheep, they follow. And the question is, are we following when it comes to the surrender of my life and the willingness to lay down what I think is important, what I think is best, what I think I deserve, and everything that would bring glory and and satisfaction and pleasure and comfort to me, am I willing to lay that aside to surrender to Jesus Christ and to follow Him? Because the key word there is follow. That means He's out in front of me and I'm right behind Him. I'm going with Him. I'm everywhere He goes. And it's not God coming with me. It's me going with God. Because God doesn't have to surrender His direction. We do. Am I willing to follow? Just for a moment, turn over a couple chapters to the right. John chapter 12. A couple more verses here. He says this in verse 25. The one who loves his life will lose it. And the one who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must, what's the word? Follow me. Where I am, there my servant also will be. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Bottom line is, it's not about God getting involved with what I got going on in my life. It's about me getting going, get, get, getting involved with what God's got going on. And it's really that way and no other way. It's not saying, God, would you come with me and do what I'm doing? No, it's getting involved with what God has going on and saying, God, I'll go with you. I'll follow you. We've got it backwards. We kind of just go on our way and say, well, God's going to be with us. Yes, in the sense that His Spirit is with us. He lives within us. Yes, He is with us. But it's not about God joining our agenda. It's us joining God's agenda. Does that make sense? Does that that compute with us? Not in this world that we live in. It's all about getting God to honor and bless what we're doing rather than us getting involved with what God's already got going on. See, God's plan hasn't changed. He still sent out His disciples to do what? Reach the world. And as one, one reaches one, and then they reach another one, and then they reach another one, and they reach another one, and really it was a singular focus. But now we're so vastly directed our attention on so many things that God gets the leftovers. God gets a piece of our life. God gets a portion. You say, well, how can God be in every part of our life? Well, when God's in the midst of our life, He's in our minds, He's in our thoughts, and He's in our conversations as we talk, and He's where we're going, and everything's an opportunity to point others to Him. Everything in life is an opportunity to lift His name higher. It's an opportunity as we go through struggles and trials and disappointments. It's an opportunity to see God at work because either a big problem or a project that God can handle that will eventually be turned into an opportunity to praise. See the progress? Problem, project, praise. Bottom line. He makes it very clear. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. Am I willing to follow? Or am I too busy getting God to do what I want Him to do? Let's look at one more passage. John chapter 21. He comes back just one more time about the relationship between the shepherd and the sheep. He's restoring Peter. I can I anybody else can relate to Peter a little bit, open mouth to insert foot syndrome. I'm guilty. Verse fifteen says, When they had eaten breakfast, <clears throat> Jesus asked Simon, Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, John, do you love me more than these? Put your name in there. Ken. Do you love me more than these? More than the people around you? More than the things that you have? More than the life that you love? Do you love me more than these? Well, on the onset, I think we could ask every one of you in this room, Hey, do you love the Lord? Oh, I'm here today, ain't I? I mean, I put my offering in. I mean, I'm here at church. I got my good clothes on today. Well, duh. Duh. That's kind of how the first layer was here. Well, duh. Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Feed my lambs, he told him. And the second time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now, maybe uh, husbands, you've kind of got yourself in a pickle a time or two. And you kind of know you're kind of deep. And you say to your wife, do you love me still? Yeah, I love you. And can I ask the second time? I know guys you've never done this before in your years of marriage. Do you do you really love me? Well, yes, I do love you. Second time Jesus says, Peter, do you do you love me? Do you really love me? Yes, Lord, he said to him, You know that I love you. Shepherd my sheep. Has the idea of shepherding his sheep. He asked him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved that he had asked him the third time. What were what would go through your mind, women, if your husband had to ask you three times? Man. I'm not sure this is so good. I'm not so certain that she really means it. I have really messed up. Peter's heart is grieved. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter grieved that he asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, You know everything. You know that I love You. Feed my sheep, Jesus said. I assure you, when you were young, you would tie your belt and walk wherever you wanted. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will tie you and carry you where you don't want to go. He said, this is to signify by what kind of death he would glorify God. After saying this, he told him, what is the phrase? Follow me. He says, if you love me, Peter, you'll follow You'll follow. I don't know about you, and there's a whole bunch more there in the Greek language. I'm not even going to mess with. But I want us to get this this morning. It's really easy to say that I'm following Christ. Would you agree? Practically, we say, "Yeah, I'm following. I'm I'm in church. I come every Sunday. I put my offering in the box. I'm here." But what happens Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday? Do I open my mouth? Do I even have a conversation about the fact that I'm a follower of a Christ? Do I even bring it up in, a, in any form? Does being a Christian change how I live? What I'm committed to? How I respond to circumstances? Listen. None of us are perfect. None of us are without sin. And I know there's plenty of times where I don't respond right. No testimonies. I know that there are many times in a given week I have to go back to my wife and say, I'm sorry. I was impatient. I was in a hurry. I shouldn't have responded that way. There are times I have to go back to my kids and say, I'm sorry, will you forgive me for raising my voice? I shouldn't have done that. But why do we do that? Because as a follower of Christ, we want to do what God wants us to do. We want to be who God wants us to be. We want to live how God wants us to live. And that means life is not about me. It's not about me. Never has been, never will be. If you live to be a thousand years old, it's never going to be about you, <coughs> it's all about Him. That's why he says, Once you became a child of God, you're a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away, all things have become new. It's no longer about me, myself, and I and the team that we love to support. It's all about Him. And following really is a simple definition Follow. It changes the way our, our outlook on everything. It changes how we run our days, how we go about our days, how we, how we serve self for others. It's all about Him. And He goes on to say, bottom line, follow Me. So Peter turned around and saw the disciples Jesus loved following them. <laughs> Peter says, well, there's the other disciples following That disciple was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and asked, Lord, who is the one that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what what about him? If I want him to remain until I come, Jesus answered, what is it to you? As for you, you follow me. We're not to be concerned about anyone else, but you know what? Taking care of yourself is a full-time job. Do you know that? We're so worried about what other people are doing to follow that we don't think about what am I doing? It's easy to come like a, a day like yesterday where I have all these people at the church and they're working and getting things ready. Man, I wish so and so was here. I wish so and so was here. And so and so should be here. And so and so should be here. And we're looking around and saying, we're, we're so and so. And we're so worried about everyone else that we don't worry about self. He says, Peter, you just follow me. You don't worry about anyone else. You, you, Peter. You got, Peter. You got enough on your plate. You worry about you. We're so busy, concerned. We're busybodies, worrying about everyone else, but ourselves, and our walk with God. We're guilty. this is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. You know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose not even the world, it, world itself could contain the books that would be written. Jesus just says simply, are you willing to follow? The identity of a slave is this. They follow the beat of their drum, drumming master. I won't show this morning. I contemplated showing the scene from the 1959 film Ben Hur, the galley scene. And you remember the scene where there are all these guys, all these slaves, are down there in the in the belly of the ship, and they're rowing. And what drives the men? And the master calls out what? Battering speed. So batter gets up, picks up, boom, 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 ramming speed, boom, 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 and these guys are starting to pass out because they just can't keep up. You see, not a one of those slaves in the gully of the ship could say to themselves, "You know what? I don't want to do this anymore." That very thought would give them a few lashes, and they would just pass out from fatigue. But you know. That's why Paul could say, for me to live as Christ and die as gain, I'm going to go out dying for Him. I'm going to be used up and spent for Him. Following to my dying day. I don't know about you, but that's a challenge to me. To follow wholeheartedly. Because it's so easy to follow what I want. Because I'm selfish. Maybe you are too. I can only speak for me, I'm selfish. I want what I want, when I want it, as often as I want it, for as long as I want it. And most of you are the same way. Are we willing to surrender who we are to who he is? Am I willing to voluntarily become a slave of Jesus Christ? And can I just say this? Many of your translations have mistranslated that phrase. A lot of your translations have sacrificed the word doulos for servant. No, a servant has choices. A slave does not. And the word correctly translated is doulos. A doulos does not have choices. He voluntarily gives himself to God. Regardless. We will talk about that later. Maybe we'll talk about that tonight. We'll finish a little section on that. But challenge this week. Life is so short. I can remember being with this all close, I can remember being in eighth and ninth and tenth grade in high school and thinking, good Lord, I can't wait to get out of this house. I can't wait to get down to college. I can't wait to get out of life. I can't wait. And isn't that like us, most of us, to just wait for the next thing, the next thing, the next thing? Because the next thing is better. I mean, so we think. And I remember thinking to myself, life is so stinking slow. Please speed up, God. Please make it go faster. You all realize we were just here three days ago, right? I mean, it just seems like we were just at church la- yesterday. Life seems like it's picking up, and everyone keeps telling me, and I don't want to hear it. Ah, try being 60. <laughs> The revolutions keep going faster and faster. And before we know it, life is gone. What are you going to do with the life God's given you? If we're not careful, we'll spend it on self. It happens so easy. I mean, just think about it. How does God want you to live? What is God potentially asking you to give up? What is God asking you to start doing? It says that as his sheep, they listen to the voice of the Master. How do you listen to the voice of the Master? Get close enough to listen. Get close enough to listen. You know, I can be at the back of the soccer field and yell something up here at my wife, and guess what? has a hard time hearing me, and even though I've got a big, big mouth. And all amens. But as I come closer and get closer to the yard, she can hear what I'm saying. I wonder if sometimes we're not listening to God because we're too far away. Practically speaking, we're not reading, we're not praying, we're not talking with God, and we're just not hearing His voice. We're too busy following strangers. God wants us to follow Him. I don't know where you're at. can't open the window of your heart and say, Oh, bingo, I know the problem. But God can. He knows where you're at. Let me say this over the next few weeks. As we talk about being a slave for God, a slave of Jesus Christ, let God change your heart. Let God speak to you. Over the next few weeks, as we take opportunities to pray, take the opportunity. Don't put it off later. When the invitation is given, don't say, Oh, I'll deal with it when I get home. Because when you get home, the phone rings and everything else happens and life goes on and you don't deal with however God's dealing in your heart right now. So I challenge you this morning how does God want you to respond to what you've heard this morning? Would you humble yourself and respond in obedience?